Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on Talk Radio WABC, the number one talk radio station in these United States of America. We reach all the way down to Georgia and all the way up to Maine. And so uh, appreciate uh, you all listening. I know we have a lot of regular listeners. And if you're a new listener, thanks so much for joining me. This is the show where we talk about what's happening in politics and What's talking about what's happening with your money and the finances of the country and the finances in your bank account and how you can make more money. So appreciate your being with us. I want to start with this question. Uh, do you think the world's coming to an end? Do you think we're all going to starve to death? Do you think the world is massively overpopulated? Uh, because if you do, you probably agree with what 60 Minutes ran on their show on uh, Sunday night on CBS when they had a guy named Paul Ehrlich, the uh, author of a famous, or should I say infamous book called The Population Bomb that came out in 1968, I believe it was, where he said basically that the world was so overpopulated and that we were uh, basically um, going to soon be shoulder to shoulder on this planet because we couldn't control our fertility and um, that we would all basically end up having a Malthusian existence and we'd all starved it up and this became a mega bestseller book in the late 1960s uh paul ehrlich became a kind of folk hero he was the first um doom and gloom um doomsdayer um now the doomsday has gone on to new issues like climate change but i was shocked to see that 60 minutes put this man on the air and gave him a lot of airtime to talk about uh, the predictions the, that he had made. Uh, he's still talking doom and gloom. He basically said it would take five new earths to produce all the natural resources we want and all the food we want to keep people uh, fed and to keep our industries running because of what he called, quote, quote, growth mania, unquote. And yet this is a man who was wrong in everything he ever said. Every prediction that Paul Ehrlich ever made was not just wrong, it was dead wrong. It was 180 degrees wrong. It was the opposite, that since the late 1960s, resources have not become more scarce, they've become more available. We're not running out of food. We're growing so much food that we have to pay our farmers not to grow so much food because we have such a surplus. Uh, now, that that's a little bit different these days just because of the high inflation, but there is the number of people that starve to death or suffer from famines has fallen precipitously, thank God. 
uh, over the last 50 years. Um, because what has happened, I'll give you one statistic that um, is really an amazing one. That since Paul Ehrlich wrote his book, his doomsday book about how we we're all going to starve to death, the United States of America has produced three times more food, uh, one third as much acreage, uh, with one third as many farmers. That's called productivity. And we've seen a gigantic gain in food production. It was something that happened in the 1970s called the Green Revolution, where we dramatically increased the yields of food uh, from agriculture and food from uh, livestock in ways that was not imaginable. We saw in the early 2000s a massive increase in oil and gas and coal production because of something called uh, the shale revolution, where we had new technologies like uh, uh, fracking and like horizontal drilling that allowed the United States in 10 years to, you know, in just a little over 10 years to triple its oil and gas output. These are technologies that happen because of human ingenuity. And that's something that Paul Ehrlich didn't see happening. He didn't, he didn't see that the most important resource on this planet is that muscle right between your eyes, folks, right between your ears, and that is your brain. And brain power has led to an improvement in the human condition in every way over the last 50, 100, 1,000 years. There is no time on the, in the history of this planet that you would want to have lived on this earth more than today. <laughs> I mean, think things were better 50, 60 years ago? Before we had computers, before we had cell phones, before we had air conditioning, before we had dishwashers, before we had all the things that modern healthcare that keeps us alive and and uh, and has dramatically increased living living standards and life expectancy uh, of Americans and people around the world. I mean, uh, we've seen a billion people over the last 50 years moved out of abject poverty because of the free enterprise system and human ingenuity. So I was disgusted with CBS to somehow say that uh, things are getting worse on this planet when for the vast majority of people, they're getting better. Now, look, I know these are tough times right now. It doesn't have anything to do with you know not being able to produce enough uh, resources. It's because we've got a president who doesn't understand how to create economic growth. But I, I'm just shocked. And I've got to tell you, my mentor, folks, was a man by the name of Julian Simon, who I met at the University of Illinois in 1981 when I was a student there. And he had published a very famous book called The Ultimate Resource. And what he showed was that um, the rate of productivity and the rate of, rate of innovation always outpaces the rate of depletion of resources. And so why? Why would 60 Minutes give a platform to a, someone who was completely wrong? It would be like asking Bertie Madoff for investment advice. That's how crazy it was that uh, Paul Ehrlich uh, was given a platform. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to worry about the world being overpopulated. You don't have to worry about running out of food. You don't have to run, world, worry about running out of energy. None of those things are going to happen. I wrote a book uh, at the turn of the century in 2000 uh, that you can get on, on Amazon called It's Getting Better All the Time a little played on the Beatles song of the same title, where I looked at the hundred trends where people are better off, better off, not just in the United States, but around the world. So I'm here to tell you folks in 2023, as we still separate, uh, celebrate the new year, um, you don't have to run world, 
worry about running out of things, running out of energy or food or farmland. Or, by the way, pollution levels have fallen by 60 or 70 percent since uh, Paul Ehrlich wrote that book. But yet he is continuing to sell his doom and gloom message <laughs> on one of the most popular TV shows uh, on any of the networks. And so that is um, very discouraging to me that you would put a lunatic like that and a shyster like that on uh, on TV. Um, now, let me change directions and say the other big thing that happened this week, of course, was that the rebels, the renegades, uh, the disruptors in Congress, the conservatives in the House, I think accomplished a lot. I think they came away as heroes. You may have heard that late last night or early this morning, uh, when, when most of us were asleep, Kevin McCarthy finally got the votes he needed to be uh, elected Speaker of the House, um, which is, by the way, the third most powerful position in America. You know, he's the one who's two heartbeats away from being president. You know, if the president dies, then the next in line, of course, is the vice president. If the vice president dies, many people don't know this, but the next in line is the Speaker of the House. And so this is a powerful position. And what you had this week was conservatives and fiscal conservatives saying, hey, we've got to change the rules of the House to make sure that we're we're returning to a balanced budget, that we're going to have a term limits vote. And I'm a big advocate of six years in Congress and then you're out. Six years in the House, you're out. Two two terms in the Senate and you're out. Uh, There is a pledge that they will start cutting government spending, that spending in 2024 will actually be capped at 2022 levels which is a good start in terms of ending this fiscal insanity that's going on in Washington. So I like it. And it was so amazing that the entire, uh, this kind of reign of terror that came down upon these rebels who said they would not vote for Kevin McCarthy until we saw some of these reforms implemented. But I applaud them. Now you're going to have a 10-year balanced budget plan. Now you're going to have some spending cuts. Now you're going to have votes on tough issues like term limits that a lot of members wish they wouldn't have to vote for. And and my God, the contempt of the Washington establishment and the swamp against these people who I think turned out to be heroes. And I don't agree with all their tactics. I don't agree with all of their demands. And I don't even like some of those people, although some of them I like a lot. But they really moved the world. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing what 20 people can do if they take a tough stand. And there's a lesson there in life, you know, that that if you take a tough stand and you've got virtue on your side, you can win. And they did have virtue on their side. We can't go forward, folks, with a $1.5 trillion deficit year after year after year, adding a trillion and a half dollars to our already $32 trillion national debt. That's a recipe for national disaster. And so I'm, I'm happy today. I'm feeling good about things. I'm feeling good that we took, we had some heroes who took a tough stand. They went up against President Biden. They went up up against the Democrats in Congress. They went up against their Republican colleagues in the House. They went up against the Wall Street Journal editorial page. And I I love the people who run the Wall Street Journal page. Paul Zugo, who's the main editor there, is a good friend of mine, and I respect his opinion. I I disagreed with him on this. Um, All of the media was against these people. They were uh, disruptors, and how dare they do this? And it's not uh, it's not appropriate uh, that that they should cause this kind of havoc. They called them the chaos uh, caucus. And you know what, folks? I think a little chaos is exactly what Congress needs because when it's business as usual, they are on a road 
to bankrupt this country. So that is my message today. I want to salute those 20. They they won some big, big games. And I think actually that uh, this was a good lesson for Kevin McCarthy that he went through this. It was a bruising process, but I like the way it turned out because you know what? Conservatives and limited government free enterprise people won the day. And that's why the Washington establishment and the swamp creatures hated what they were trying to do. So bravo, bravo, a little bit of good news. Okay, we're going to get to our finance section in the next uh, segment of the show. That is with uh, uh, Bob and Ryan Payne. I will be right back. And by the way, I will be taking your callers at the calls at the end of the show today. So at about quarter till two. Uh, please be prepared to call in because I want to see if you agree with me that the Freedom Fighters won a big victory late last night. This is the More Money Show, Talk Radio WABC. W-A-B-C. Hey. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey, it's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E from Payne Capital Management on the economy, the markets, your financial independence on this segment of More Money. And man, oh man, Bob, not a bad way to end the first week of the year. That was a red-hot jobs report, and the market loved it. You know, we had a huge move in the markets. And it's, you know, it says to me, and this economy is in pretty good shape, no matter what they tell you. Well, here's the problem, right? I got people on the financial news every day telling me good news is bad news, bad news is good news. Uh, I don't know what we had yesterday on Friday. We had good news on the job report. We had really bad news on the ISM number, right? That dropped below 50, which means the economy is contracting. Well, I mean, I think the bottom line is that's what the Fed wanted to do. They wanted to slow what we call red-hot economy. But meanwhile, even though it's slowing, jobs are still abundant. Yeah, in fact, I mean, we saw unemployment come down, which means there were more jobs added, but The other side of the coin was wages didn't go up as much, which is a good thing because that means that that means inflation is cooling. So, you know, for all we've heard out there, we might actually be getting this proverbial soft landing this year. And no one's really anticipated that. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's been anticipated. I've never seen so many economists agree that we're into a going into a recession, if not already there. I think like 60 percent of economists or all on one side, right? When you have that consensus opinion, my experience has been it's usually the wrong one. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy when you think about it, right? You have all these quote-unquote experts on Wall Street, and whatever they think is going to happen, ironically, usually doesn't. <laughs> you <laughs> think with all their economic data, right, and all the number crunching, that they would come to a better conclusion than you and me. And, Bob, that doesn't seem the case. You know, the one thing we've talked about week after week on this show um, and at our firm, Payne Capital Management, is, you know, really it, it, we're hard-pressed to see the economy falling off a cliff, and it just seems the numbers keep reinforcing that. I mean, if you look at lending, uh, banks are actually lending more money. Lending's accelerating. Businesses are taking on loans. Um, you know, consumers are taking on loans. You don't see that 
when the economy is actually con- contracting, um, you know, that's actually the opposite. That means the, the economy is actually doing well if people are confident enough to borrow money. And that's exactly what you're seeing right now. Well, that's the thing. You can't go by all the different data points because, hey, two quarters this year, this past year, we had negative GDP numbers. Was that a recession? Right. Some people think it is. Some people say it isn't. Last quarter GDP, they're having estimates of three to four percent. That's that's a booming economy. So, you know, when you're an investor, you can't get too caught up in what the Federal Reserve says or what the economists say, because you know what? They're not going to, you know, they're not going to provide you with income when you're retired. They're not going to make sure that you're able to pay your bills. That's why you have to have a strategy to navigate, you know, all these different opinions, right? Because if I'll tell you one thing I know about last year, it was one of the most volatile periods I've ever lived through in my career. It really was. I mean, you had the most volatility since the great financial crisis. That's how crazy it was. And it felt that way. <laughs> I said, I said markets were a buzzkill last year. They were no fun, Bob. Um, but to your point, look, if you're planning for retirement, if you're retired now, uh, watching these talking heads on TV telling you that the economy is going to fall off a cliff, which they may or may not be right, doesn't help you stay retired or get retired. You know, you can't really have a plan predicated on that. Um, we're seeing that right now because if, if markets uh, do well this year and the market goes up and you, you know, you're receiving income on your portfolio, well, you know, it's important to be invested for that. If you're not and you miss the boat, that can really work against you if you're trying to have financial independence. And it's just, and I'm seeing that. I'm hearing that a lot of people say, I'm just going to sit in cash and see what happens. That's a bad strategy because when things turn, they turn on a dime. You've already got to be there. Well, that's why I'm so happy. All of you are listening to us today because I'm sure all you heard at the end of the year, all you heard from your friends and family over the holidays was, oh, my goodness, it was the worst year for investing, you know, since 2008. Well, 2008 was a crash. It was a horrible time. The market was down 60%. You know, last year, value stocks were barely down. Energy stocks were up. Now, bond yields have moved up to now where you're getting a really good rate of return on any maturity that you invest in the bond market, whether it's a treasury or a municipal bond or even a CD at the bank. Right now, you have a rally that's been going on since October. You know, so I want to give everybody a little bit of good news, right? You know, the market's been going up, not down. And last year wasn't as bad as these pundits are telling you, unless you have all your money in tech stocks. That's not a place to be. Not a place to be last year. It's not the place to be this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, tech is really the part of the market that's gotten hammered. And you know, if you have a portfolio in tech, if you got hammered last year, you might be realizing, oh, maybe my advisor or maybe I didn't put my money in the right place. Well, don't make that mistake again this year. And to your point, Bob, if you're a long-term investor or you're planning for a long-term retirement, there's never been a better time to get your strategy in place because yields now are attractive. And I think the mistake here is don't put all your money into that, that one-year CD or treasury paying over 4%. It sounds great, but remember that comes due in a year. And if interest rates actually come down at the end of the year, and a lot of economists think that's going to be the case, well, you know, you want to make sure you lock in some of your money longer term, right? Because that 4% comes due, and now you can only get 2%. Well, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. So you got to start thinking longer term and strategically longer term if you're preparing for retirement. And I think that's another mistake thing that you're seeing investors make right now or retirees make is like, well, I'll just put my money into a one-year CD. Remember, that's going to come due, and when it does, rates could be lower. That's a bad strategy. It is a bad strategy, right, because the biggest risk we all face, I mean, every single one of you, 
faces is that hidden, insidious tax called inflation. Now, inflation's made headlines in the last year, and it's coming down, but it's not going away. And one thing you need to do is make sure that all of your assets are growing net of inflation, right? You have to overcome inflation. And my goodness, for the last 10 years, you know, the money market funds, the banks are paying zero. Banks are still paying zero, for crying out loud. <laughs> get your money out of there. Get it somewhere where it's working for you. You've got to take accountability for your retirement, for your goals, you know, to grow your wealth, and you can't do it sitting in cash, right? Yeah, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, it's a new year. Okay, I messed up last year. I'm sitting with too much cash, or I'm heavily weighted to growth tech. I saw my portfolio go down way more than I thought it was going to go down. Well, here's your shot to get that assessment to make sure you're on track for your retirement, whether you're planning to retire or retired now. We keep 10 slots open for the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, and literally, if you call or text us right now, we'll run for you our total financial master plan. That's our famous plan. We'll do it with no obligation or cost. There's not a firm out there that will do this kind of legwork up front. We go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture. We're just going to hone in on every financial issue that you have to address today. No more inertia. We're going to put together that income plan, show you how to generate income on your portfolio, how to take Social Security. There's hundreds of ways to take Social Security, only one right way for you to do it. Optimize your income plan so you don't run out of money factoring in inflation. Your costs are going to go up by double over the next 20 years. You've got a plan for it. We're going to look at diversification. How hard did you get hit last year? Is your portfolio allocated correctly? Are you sitting with way too much money in cash, earning nothing at the bank because they don't want to pay you interest? We're going to put together a full diversified strategy for you. Show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you high-cost products and those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products. We're going to do a deep dive at every investment you own, show you where all the hidden costs are, reduce those costs, and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You're going to get our full tax playbook. There's so many things you can do from a tax perspective. We have 10 slots. You saved over a million dollars, and you call or text right now. We're going to keep them open for the whole show. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation there's no cost for our analysis, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. It's not P-A-I-N. We give you, We don't give you that kind of pain. Um, bad joke to start the year. Uh, you know, we're a boutique wealth management firm. You know, we probably look at more portfolios than anyone a month. You know, we probably see every strategy out there that Wall Street provides. And, you know, one of the themes you and I talked about over the holidays, because that's what we do when we sit around and we drink really good scotch, is we talk about what are, what are we going to talk about on our radio show uh, coming into to the new year. And you and I talked about this this tagline that a lot of the, the crypto bros were using, I think Matt Damon did this in a commercial, and he said, fortune favors the bold, 
which I think is a really accurate strat is a really accurate thing to say when you're talking about your retirement portfolio. Well, I think it teaches you a lot of things, right? Number one, never take investment advice from an actor. I mean, Matt Damon could probably play a great financial advisor, but he's an actor, right? He doesn't actually have the training or the skills or the licenses or the experience. And he was endorsing cryptocurrency. Now, here's the unfortunate thing about people who listen to that commercial and decide it, you know, to be bold. What do you think, Brian, $1,000 invested when that commercial appeared would be worth today? $1,000 in crypto, I'm going to say it was clear, close to the peak. I'm going to say it was, it's worth about 300 bucks today. That's my guess. Bingo. I mean, right on the nose. Uh, you've been better off, even if you lost, betting on the uh, other team in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> that's when, he, when they had that commercial. And you know how much those Super Bowl commercials cost. So it's just... I think it, I think the the message here is never invest on a whim or take a shot, you know, or or gamble because it's gambling. It's not investing. Investing is about you know owning a diversified portfolio to give you a high probability of success. So I'm all for you know the uh, fortune favoring the bold and the brave, but be brave about buying high quality investments, real assets. Well, because it's hard to do, right? It, it's it's easy to buy what's hot in the moment, and it's so detrimental to your retirement plan because we saw this, you know, and we, we do knock on Wall Street a lot, you know, which we can't help ourselves. You know, Wall Street just, <laughs> there's so much fodder uh, for the bad advice that happens on Wall Street. And, you know, you look at all the major firms, all recommending put your money in growth stocks, mega cap tech, right? It, it was a foregone conclusion. I just buy Apple or I just buy Amazon. Well, that was a great strategy till it wasn't. And I think what we all miss and what gets missed a lot is everything is cyclical. And that's why you can't over-concentrate the risk in your portfolio when you're going to be retired because all of a sudden, a lot of those stocks are down 50%, 30%. You can't afford to have that when you're going to live off of your money. And that's where a lot of the advice was given for a lot of us over the last couple of years was to put our money all in those places, your eggs in one basket, and, man, oh, man, that could be the difference between being retired comfortably and actually having to go back to work. Nobody wants to do that. Well, you know, Rye, I know you don't like to pick on Wall Street, but I do because I think they mislead investors all the time. They, they work in their best interest, not in the investor's best interest. And one of the indicators that I follow very closely is something called the Wall Street sell-side indicator, and basically it tracks – what these Wall Street firms are telling their clients in terms of how much money to have in risk assets like stocks. And believe it or not, this time a year ago when the market was at an all-time record high, they had a record amount of money that recommended for you to invest in your portfolio. And now that the market's down 20% and it's a good opportunity to invest, they've reduced that exposure by almost 10%. So it's like, you know, they tell you to buy low and sell high. Wall Street (laughs) tells you to buy high and sell low. Yeah, Bob, you know, I'm a, I'm a simple man. Buying high and selling low is a bad strategy. Um, but you know, the other thing is, what does that have to do with your goals, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like, it, it's pretty simple. It's pretty primitive. If you're going to retire, if you're retired now, is you need income to live on, you know? And, and guessing if the market's going to be up or down in any given year, that's not a helpful plan when you need income to live on in real time every single month. And I think, you know, when it comes to good retirement planning, this is what we do with our clients, is reverse engineering, looking at what do I need to spend every year and how do I derive from that income from my portfolio, from Social Security, if I have a pension, great, 
but it can't be predicated on if we think the market's going to go up or down in any given year. And a lot of your strategies are predicated on that. That's crazy. And you can't predict that ahead of time. And that's a horrible plan for retirement that's going to keep you up at night. You want to know you have that income coming in month after month. That's how you design a good retirement strategy, Bob. Well, I agree, Rye. But, you know, it is so counterintuitive. It's so hard, right? For the last 10 years, we had large cap tech stocks, you know, companies that just went up every year. Valuations went up every year. And it's like, yo, Bob, how could something so good be so bad for me? On the other hand, you know, you talk to people about common sense investing. I mean, I don't know, right? If I told you I could invest your money in something that has at a valuation that's half as cheap as a U.S. market with twice the amount of dividend yield, um, you know, that would sound like a pretty good idea. And then when I tell you, well, you have to invest in, in non-U.S. stocks, you go, oh, no, they're risky. Well, I think what's risky is when you're overpaying for U.S. stocks. You know, give me half the price, half the price at, at double the yield. Sign me up every day of the week. Yeah, no, it sounds great. But I mean, look, as, as a as a person trying to retire, all you want to know is, is the income coming in or is the income not coming in? And I, I think that's the key is if you build a portfolio where you spread the money out, that's what we call diversification, and you have income coming in from diversified sources every year. And last year, even though the markets were down, your income was up, you know, and that's the key. Your income's going up over time because inflation's going up over time. You need an income plan that goes up over time. That's the strategy that you want. That's what you got to hone in on as you're going into 2023 if you want to be financially independent and you want to have a secure retirement. Well, it all comes down to investing based on your plan, right, and getting to your goals with the end in mind. You want to be certain that you're only taking the amount of risk that you need to take, right? Risk is something, Rye, I always recognize in hindsight when it's too late. Right. So you want to make sure that you, you know, have that evaluation done, get that second opinion, be certain that you're not carrying more risks than necessary, because 90 percent of the portfolios I've reviewed in my career were taking more risk than necessary to achieve their goals. Why would you want to be in a position to hurt yourself? Yeah, but I'll keep it simple. Right? Less risk, higher income. That's a good retirement plan. If you're thinking yourself right now, like, that's what I need. I've got to get on top of this. I've got to figure out where the income's coming in my portfolio as I live off my money to be comfortably retired. Well, we're down to six slots left. If you call or text us right now, we have six slots. We're going to keep them up for the rest of the show. Bob and I will run for your total financial master plan. We'll do it with no obligation or cost. There's not a firm out there that will literally do this work up front. We are literally going to put together a full income plan for you, show you how to draw from your assets so you don't run out of money, how to take Social Security, how to factor in inflation. Inflation is your biggest enemy in retirement. We're going to put together a full income plan that factors that in so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost products that are just very complicated, tax inefficient, and those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products. We're going to simplify everything, do a deep dive on every investment you own, reduce all that cost, increase your income, and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. And we're just going to look at your diversification. How much underlying risk do you really have? Did you get hit hard last year and you need to reassess your portfolio? Or have you sat with way too much money in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do as markets have been all over the place? We're going to put together a full diversified investment game plan show you how to grow your wealth, but more importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. We literally have six slots left if you give us a call or text right now. 
And all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next six callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no strings attached. But you won't have a plan if you don't text or call for the next six slots. It's 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. You can... Put some questions in. If the questions for Bob and I, we answer all your questions. You can check out our podcast. You'll learn more about our firm. That's it for this week. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Hey, this is Ryan Payne filling in for Bob for this week's market update. It was a wild week on the street of dreams as we continued the volatile ride that we saw last year into 2023. Stocks struggled for most of the week as questions over the extent of the Fed's interest rate policy loomed large over the economy and the stock market. But prices exploded on Friday after a stellar December employment report. The Labor Department's final jobs report of 2022 showed us the U.S. economy added 223,000 jobs last month, while the unemployment rate fell to 3.5%, well above economists' estimates, It was a blowout. Data showed wage growth decelerated last month, suggesting that a soft landing is possible in 2023. A tight labor market here in America as people have jobs while wages are increasing at a slower pace, keeping inflationary pressure down. Meanwhile, job openings still stand at record highs with over 1.8 unfilled jobs for every unemployed person. It's still at record territory. The recent data contradicts a lot of Wall Street strategists' belief or viewpoint that we are headed for a recession in 2023. Perhaps the clearest action for investors was in the bond market this past week, where the yield on the two-year Treasury dropped to 4.28% from 4.48% just before the release of the data on the U.S. labor market. A further indication that interest rates will cool off this year taking a tremendous amount of pressure off of U.S. business activity. Hopefully we won't see 7% mortgage rates. Hopefully we won't see 7% mortgage rates again anytime soon. So good news prevails as we start the new year, a good omen as we push past last year's insane volatility and high uncertainty. And if you're thinking to yourself, you need to get positioned for the new year, get your financial life prepared, well, here's your shot to do it. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, all you simply need to do is text or call at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692 to get a second opinion on what you're doing. Start off 2023 right.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. Uh, I am uh, thrilled to introduce my next guest for the show, David Bonson, who is a good friend and also one of the world's financial experts. He's a whiz. Uh, his book about um, uh, the no free lunch is a must read. I, I know for regular listeners, you know, I've had David on several times and he's on by popular demand because uh, David, uh, first of all, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Um, I find myself to be completely confused <laughs> about what's going on with the financial markets. And uh, I was a little surprised with the good news we saw in the economy with the jobs report um how do you how do you read things right now there's so many conflicting statistics out there well and that's the key word steve is conflicting and so i don't think it's so much confusing because when there's one uh, data point that suggests something good and another data point that suggests something bad we're supposed to take it as what it is, which is ambiguous. And, and <laughs> I think financial financial markets people get in a lot of trouble with uh, uh, excessive amount of certitude and, and confidence. And, and it's one of the things that I focus on. Um, and everyone at my firm, we're really focused on this idea of humility because, you know, you get you get too down a certain trend and, and markets are there to embarrass you. And and so in this case, we, we are not all sold on a real deep and hard landing recession. And we're certainly not sold on a Goldilocks, everything's going to work out fine scenario. All you can do with the day-to-day realities of human action and different data points, there's government interventions, there's other things that are more organic and non-governmental. There's a lot of things that flow in. And right now the labor data has stayed pretty darn good. The inflation data is definitely on its way down, Uh but... There's no question that manufacturing and the services sector are slowing, and they're slowing quite a bit. And and same thing with housing, too, right? But see, that's where I think I disagree with a lot of friends, and this has been a fight I've had because I used to okay. go after the Bush the Bush administration and and John right. McCain. Uh, I never agreed that that a strong housing sector meant something good for the economy. I think it's distortive um, to, okay. to, I like, I look, if house prices go up because people have better wages and better jobs and better neighborhoods and can afford a higher price, I'm all for it. But when they go up 40% in two years, they need to come down. And that's what we're seeing is that uh, I put in my white paper this week, kind of forecasting my predictions for the year ahead if housing prices drop 10%, that just brings us back to where we were in the fall of 2021. And if they drop 20%, it just brings us back to where we were at the beginning of 2021. Um, that's how much the COVID bubble of housing pushed things higher. Well, is that me? By the way, I'm speaking with David Bonson, who's uh, head of the Bonson Group, uh, CIO. 
uh, and I was also the author of DividendCafe.com. By the way, what is DividendCafe.com? So DividendCafe.com is where I do my weekly investment writing. I've written a weekly commentary and haven't missed a single week since the week Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. And and it was just sort of it, it started in the panic moment, you know, we were all going through, and uh, I just sort of never looked back. And it used to have, you know, a hundred people a week that were reading it, and and now I think we have, you know, uh, tens of thousands or whatever. But it was it's just grown organically, and it's we it's it's my way of just expressing my weekly macro viewpoint, Steve, on the economy. Is it, is it, is it free or is it behind a paywall? Yeah, no, totally free, totally free. Oh wow, okay, so you can go to. You can go to DividendCafe.com and getting very good advice on uh, the economy and on the stock market. Now, I was reading something this morning, David, um, that uh, it, it was in the Wall Street Journal, and, and this stock expert was saying, you know, we can expect 20% returns in the stock market this year because that's what usually happens after a bad year in the stock market. And I'm not really sure I understand the logic of that, but do you agree with that? Well, it's empirically false because when you have a year where the market is down over 10%, the mm-hmm. next year, half of the time the market is up and half of the time the market's down. Um, and, and it is true that when the market's down 20%, last year the S&P was down 19, so it was close. Right. Um, it gets a little better, but this is the type of thing we refuse to do. That kind of analysis where you assume that correlation is causation um, it's very dangerous. And, and I will say this. I don't know who predicted that. But usually, Steve, they don't actually run money. They have the benefit <laughs> of just being a being a pundit that can say something that they're not accountable for. Yeah, that would include people like me. But now, you know, we Larry Kudlow uh, was talking this morning on his show on this station about what happened in Congress. And obviously we now have a new speaker. Finally, <laughs> it took a lot longer than people thought. It was kind of a bruising process. I, I kind of applaud the conservatives for getting some, some uh, new rules that I think will be beneficial for Congress. But anyway, you've got a new speaker uh, and um, in Kevin McCarthy. And I don't know if you've talked to him, David, I hope you have because he could use your advice, but we've got to get this economy moving faster. And what would you advise him to do? Uh, now, uh, certainly there's only certain things the speaker can do, but what, what should be the policy agenda, do you think, of the Republican Party? Well, I have talked to now Speaker McCarthy in the yeah. past, and I would certainly love the idea of uh, just like yourself and Cudlow and Forbes and Laffer and the others that I would look up to of having any influence we can. And I would divide it into two things, and I'll be really quick. On the political advice I don't think they should keep leaning into the inflation theme because what happens is if we keep saying Biden caused inflation, Biden caused inflation, we have to have change because the Democrats are creating inflation. And then if the narrative is that inflation is going down, down, down over this year and next year, as housing keeps coming down, as as a lot of the supply chains open up, then the Democrat, we're playing into their hand and they're going to go, look, we, you said this was a problem. We fixed it. Give us two more years. I think that the only thing they should be talking about, and now this is not just political, this is ideological. For God's sake, bring back a growth agenda, because the Mm -hmm. whole country is doomed if they don't. You need supply-side reforms that are deregulatory, that are uh, in favor of of energy independence, 
and that remove impediments to doing business, bring back instant expensing of R&D. They got rid of that. Why did they get rid of that? We need more R&D. We need more manufacturing. We need more CapEx. So provide tax incentives that bring those things back and talk about growth as if our lives depend on it, because they do. So you just said something very interesting, David, uh, that I, I think I agree with, if I understand you correctly. So you believe that the inflation rate will continue to fall in 2023, um, uh, if I read you correctly. And yes. uh, I guess the how, and I generally agree with that. I've been looking at the commodity index, and that's been pretty flat now for the last four months. And that, that's always a pretty good, in my opinion, a good lead indicator of where inflation is headed. So how much, I mean, are we going to get, I've been saying we'll be at 4 to 5%. That's still a long way from the 2% that the Fed has set as a target. What say you? No, I, I really do think, Steve, it's going to be lower than that. And the reason why is just some of parts. Now, first of all, it depends if you're talking core or headline, because headline includes energy, and energy is the least I'm talking, relevant. I'm talking headline. I want to have, yeah, I want so, to include everything, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go so ahead. if you include the energy, if you include the energy, it really does depend on things that are outside of the Fed's control. With right. energy, it's going to be supply-driven. It's going to be geopolitical. China's reopening. How much oil are they going to start ordering again? Right. Uh, they have a lot. More, they have a lot more coal dependency than we do, and so they may not need another million to two million barrels a day of oil. But if they do, and if we start filling back up our strategic petroleum reserves, you could see $100 oil again, and that puts upward pressure on energy, but goods inflation is headed to 2%. I have no doubt in my mind. Wow. And, wow. and, and, sh and shelter is going to be in deflation. Uh, you're going to be a negative price appreciation year over year in housing, which is 40% of CPI. So I think mm -hmm. you're going to end up closer to a three-handle than a four- or five-handle with total inflation. And when? Um, by middle of the year. Middle of the year, okay. So that will be good for the economy for sure. Uh, how many rate hikes do you see the Fed doing into 2023? I think they raise 50 more, and uh, then they're done. I think that at that point, they are really getting excited to do the thing I've been most worried about for a year and a half, which is take a victory lap and pretend that they caused all this. They're going to claim they had a soft landing, that they threaded the needle perfectly, and that all the fears that they were, you know, playing fast and loose were ill-founded, when in reality it is ill-founded. It is a complete uh, destabilizing force in the economy, um, and we've deified the Fed in our society, and it needs to stop. Um, and that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. Ultimately, though, um, I do want to point out, me believing inflation yeah. comes down this year, you're right, that would be a very, very good thing. However, if we end up at 0 to 2% inflation thereafter uh, with 0 to 2% growth, that's not good. And that's what right. I really believe is the biggest problem we face yeah. is the excessive indebtedness and excessive monetary interventions that have put downward pressure on American economic growth, just like Japan. So does that call for a, a balanced budget strategy, a, a spending reduction strategy? You know, we've spent in Biden's first two years in office, $4 trillion above the baseline. And by the way, a lot of that, one thing that I may be a little skeptical about when you talk about the decrease in inflation and I, is that, you know, a lot of that spending that has been authorized has not actually hit the economy yet, David. You know, so 
there's going to be a lot of new spending, government spending, that is, flushed into the economy in 2023. And that's why I'm a little higher on the inflation estimate than you are. And and the reason I see I agree with your premise, but disagree with your conclusion, Steve, because I really okay. believe that government spending is non-productive and deflationary. It's it's awful for economic wait, growth. Wait, 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 say that again. Say that again, because I want. What do you mean? If it's non-productive, how does that make it non-inflationary? What I mean by that spending is that it moves resources away from economic growth. And it becomes deflationary as people do less activity that uh, affects uh, the velocity the velocity of money. And so ultimately, now that the sugar high of the government checks has gone away, um, that what we've seen – remember, Joe Biden did not start excessive government spending. Okay, we ran pretty big deficits in the administration before his, right. and God yeah, knows yeah. we ran pretty big deficits through Bush and Obama as well. And we right. had 20, year, 20 years of very low inflation. And the problem is we had 20 years of low economic growth, 1.6% until Trump's tax bill came around. And so what I believe is that the old story of government spending in the 70s creating 5 to 8% inflation has been replaced now because velocity is no longer high or, me, or, or uh, moderate. It's very low, and you have no more loan demand. There's no more good borrowers. There is a total lack of productive deployment of capital, so the money sits idle. And this is the dormant economy that an over-interventionist Fed has created. And I wish that we would get 3 to 4% real GDP growth, but we haven't had it once since the great financial crisis. And that's a result of excessive government spending. So a question I get asked a lot, David, by the way, I'm talking to David Bonson, whose great book is No Free Lunch, which I highly recommend. I, I, have, I tell uh, people, and I've said this before, that I have it on my bedside, and I read a little bit of it every night just because there are a lot of wonderful vignettes about the economy and how it works. And you can uh, just, you know, flip through it and, and really find really wonderful stories about the economy. Um, but uh, I, I wonder, I get asked this question a lot, and, I, and it's about this whole idea of modern monetary theory, David, which is this idea that, uh, that these economists came up with on the left a few years ago. And I feel like Biden is basically employing this modern monetary theory idea which is the government, the United States government can continue to just spend and borrow. And because we are the world global currency, that we have kind of a free pass in continuing to build up that debt. Uh, what is your reaction to that? I think the unique element of modern monetary theory is not the fiscal side, it's the monetary side. The, those who believe we can spend infinity and that we'll get away with it forever, that's almost everybody. Everybody seems to think that. <laughs> the left, the right, the Republicans, the Democrats. Everybody in Washington. I don't know if people outside of Washington believe that, but I, I yeah, get see, you know, You know, see, the problem is, what are the things, what are the people outside of Washington willing to cut, right? We all yeah. say we want lower right. government spending, and then we say we yeah. need Social Security reform, and we go, no, <laughs> you, you know? Right. I don't know that the people are willing to cut the spending either, but I, I agree that the people at least intuitively find the idea of permanent deficit spending to be illogical. But I, I think that where MMT, modern monetary theory, goes wrong 
is is the belief that the money supply itself and monetary interventions get a free pass to forever monetize it and deal with it with no cost. And that's why the book that you keep so generously touting that I wrote is called right. There's No Free Lunch. Right. Um, of course, there's a trade-off. The trade-off in Japan has been that there is 250% debt to GDP. That's double R's. And they, their Bank of Japan owns 65% of their bond market. Our central bank only owns 20% of ours. And they have gone 30 years at 1% economic growth. Okay, oh absolutely no innovation, no growth, no dynamism, no improved quality of life, no enhanced standard of living, nobody be able to realize their dreams coming true. See, that's what we won't tolerate in America. And MMT is stultifying of economic growth, and it's playing a trillion-dollar experiment with people's lives. We say, oh, look, it's working. This is what Bernanke did. He wrote his book, taking a victory lap after QE3, that it worked. Because the world hadn't blown up. That's fine. But we hadn't gotten off of it yet. Right. It works until it doesn't work, right? Uh, David, I got about 30 seconds. (laughs) I got about 30 seconds left. Bottom line, it sounds like you're somewhat bullish for 2023. Uh, Investors should stay in the market. I think that, of course, long-term investors should always have a plan that meets their their long-term objectives. But I would not say I'm bullish. I would just say that this year, like last year, which served us very well, um, you got to focus on quality. Don't get back into big tech. Don't get back into speculative investing. Don't buy the S&P 500 at 17 times earnings. If you do get a recession, corporate profits come down, and you probably have to see the P.E. ratio go lower so I just say focus on quality and dividend growth. Cash flow generative stocks are going to suit you much, much better. That's David Bonson. Get his book, No Free Lunch. David, Happy New Year. Thanks again. Every time you come on, you impart real wisdom on our uh, on our uh, uh, listeners. So thanks again. Uh, folks, I am, I've got five minutes left to take a two or three quick calls. This is the More Money Show. The More Money Hotline is 1-800-848-9222. And if you have any questions or comments about what's going on with this economy, I'd love to hear from you. That's 1-800-848-9222. Mr. Producer, do we have any callers? We do have callers right now. First, we have Teddy from Yonkers. Teddy, thanks for calling. What do you got? I've got four minutes left, so I want to get a couple callers in. So very quickly. Hi, Mr. Moore. I really value your intelligence, but I disagree with you on the Trump tax cuts were for growth. I live in New York State, and as you know, we have high taxes, but since the income tax was started in 1913, it's been a tradition that states and local municipalities, we would be able to deduct our state and local taxes. And because they put a cap on yeah. So the sole taxes of 10000 my taxes went up by $3,000. Okay, so I don't call that a tax cut and <laughs> opportunity for growth. Can you respond right. to that? Yeah, Patty, thanks for calling. Uh, look, I was instrumental in, in getting rid of the uh, state and local tax deduction because I just don't think it's fair. If you want to live in a high-tax state like New York or New Jersey or Connecticut or I'm from Illinois, that's your right to do so. But why should people who live in states where they don't have high taxes have to have, you know, higher taxes for the people who don't? I think this should be an incentive system 
for New York and New Jersey and Connecticut to cut their taxes. Lord knows they need to do that. Mr. Producer, who is our next caller? Our next caller is Tony from Clifton. Hi, Tony. Thanks for calling. Hi. Happy New Year. So um, I do want to say I concur with you 100% on the speaker. A wise man told me to be patient when we were going through the process. Right. And I think we wound up exactly where we should be, where yeah. we have a group of 20 who's going to fight for us and not yeah. run us through the ringer too quickly. So I I'm mean, happy. You know, I, I think it's a good point. And by the way, I, don't you, aren't you proud of those people? I mean, they were vilified by the media, by the Republican establishment, by the president, by everybody with a megaphone of these terrible people. But I'm kind of proud of them. I did reach out to Matt Gates, just left him a voicemail and thanked him in the process. And I said, you know, we're praying that you make the right decision for the country, but we're trusting in you because he's really a sharp guy. And I know he was in the hot seat. So they did good. Great great call, Tony. Thank you. I think we got time to sneak one more in, Mr. Producer, if we've got time. Actually, we're still waiting on more people to call in, but I'll say the number 1-800-848-9222. So let me just conclude the show by saying this, Ben. Uh, thank you all for calling in, uh, and thank you for listening. This is a pivotal time for our country. In my opinion, as an economist, I do not believe we can c- continue to go on borrowing a trillion and a half to $2 trillion a year. It is a recipe for financial disaster. I've, this has been my message on the More Money Show for the last uh, year and a half or so since I've had the privilege of doing this show. Uh, we, we can't just keep whistling Dixie and pretend like these problems are going to go away, away on their own. We've got to, as David Bonson said so eloquently, we have to grow the economy through supply-side policies like deregulation, pro-business, help America be number one, as Donald Trump would say, put America first, continue to produce American energy, um, remove the barriers to our businesses being number one in the world. And then we have to cut spending, folks. We've got to take a chainsaw to the budget. We have to get at least a trillion dollars out of this budget. And what I, what I respect about these dissidents uh, is what they did was they called attention to this problem that we have in America today, that we are spending and borrowing too much money, and that in every other country has done that, Mexico, uh, Greece, uh, all these other countries like Argentina, Venezuela, it never has a happy ending. Let's solve this problem now. The goose that lays the golden eggs is not government. The goose that lays the, lays the golden eggs is the free enterprise system. Never forget it, folks, because that's what the More Money Show is all about. Have a great, great weekend. Happy New Year, everyone, and I'll see you next week.